Just wait for it. Wait for it. It's coming. Soon. Good morning. Afternoon. Evening. Brunch time. Lunch time. Laser ninja time. Welcome to the 1980s. Danny requested a, a new a new music intro time. Whatever time of day it is, welcome to the Goballs 24-7 Super Duper Podcast with Wes Rucker, Danny Parker. Immediately the, after this, we're going to have and a, Brown. a knockdown, throwdown, laser tag, brawl. I've thought about in the time, the, the backstory to this, if anyone's never heard this. With Rocky on the background on TV. Is we... I need a headband. When we first started the podcast, <laughs> we started trying to find, you know, the right music. We wanted to buy the rights to it. And we had some serious suggestions. We ended up settling on the very Memphis-sounding one that we got, which we like. But Danny wanted to mix it up a little bit. And so this takes me back to the argument at the beginning when I said, guys, what about the Laser Ninja? You know, it's like 80s montage with the cheesy graphics and people high-fiving. I think, I mean, just just wait, just wait. I grew up in the 80s, so... I mean, this is what Danny had jamming from his uh, the the Firebird, the T top. I'm thinking Wood Green, 1987 tops. Mark McGuire, rookie. I'm thinking Champ Leia, sports, looking very attractive in Return of the Jedi <laughs> posters. Here's what I'm here's thinking Trapper Keeper with some laser freaking awesome graphics. I had a, I had a Velcro, Trapper, Velcro, I had a Trapper Velcro Keeper everything. in the 90s. Winner's choice cleats. For the league baseball, yeah. thin I, Barry Bonds. I had the uh, pony. Ca- <laughs> Barry Bonds. I had Ken the Griffey senior. Normal human size. Ken Griffey Barry senior. Bonds. I had the I had the uh, I had the pony uh, kangaroo skin cleats back in the day. Those were those were the jam. I remember those. I, I was born in '82, so I'm I'm, a, I'm basically a child of the '80s slash early '90s. I think my 11 year old year of little league baseball in Marshall County for Faber Castile, I had pony cleats, and I swear they made me faster. My sixty time went from nine four to nine one. Hey, those, those, <laughs> those on ponies. Those pony kangaroo skins were were legit. Those were legit cleats. I had a pair of navy blue Comfy. kangaroo shoes that I wore to school that had a zip up pocket on the outside of the shoe where I could put my change in there. Really, for I, my I, jungle juice and, and, and my milk. Oh yeah, Speak, oh yeah, jungle juice every jungle day. Juice. Best quarter of the day. Y'all, y'all know what else happened back in the eighties? What? John Gruden was in a, a graduate assistant at Tennessee. Boom. Segway. Pivot. Best segue ever out there. What we wanted to do was... Best segue. That's, why we, oh, yeah. since, that's actually why we picked the music. Danny, Danny's request had nothing to do with it. Since we're going to... Since this is going to be one of the, the, the... Probably some of the biggest numbers of any podcast we do, because it's going to be the Tennessee Coaching Hotboard Edition, we wanted to give you a little bit of a special intro into the Goval 24 Hotboard 1.0 Edition. If this is your first podcast, uh, sorry, thank you, and uh, we'll try again next year. But, you know... For those of you who, who want to stick it out, we've got a whole archive of these, and uh, this is whatever, somewhere in the 60s or 70s in terms of episodes we've done. You can go back and listen to the archive. You can go back and you can trace the history of the Butch Jones era and the downfall as it happened. So it's kind of a, an oral history going back and, and archiving those if you want to, and you can get this podcast uh, pretty much anywhere that you get your podcast from uh, the Google Play, from the Apple iTunes. Uh, obviously, you can go through... Um, uh, you can go through what are the other sites here? They go to everywhere, pretty much anywhere that you're getting a podcast. 
Stitcher, wherever you're getting it, we're we're we're, we're getting it pushed to there. So, uh, thanks for tuning in. For for those of you who uh, do not know much about the Tennessee football coaching search, we're gonna give you an intro into that now. Tennessee has summarily dismissed Butch Jones following a fifty to seven tire fire in Columbia, Missouri. Fifty seventeen. Fifty. What do I keep saying? You've said that at least three times in the last. What 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 is hours. it? What is it that I say? Fifty to seven. Fifty to seventeen. 17. Or maybe you say teen really, really quietly and I can't hear it. 50 to teen. Like that. Is no. Is that what I do? No, it's not what you do. Maybe, maybe I say it like. You might want to edit You the, might want to edit the, the, the 50, 50 to, 17, to, 17. to 17. You might want to edit this whole part out of there. No, it's going to stay. All right. It's going to stay. That's your choice. Tennessee has got to hire a new football coach. And what's Tennessee going to do about that? That's that's where we are right now. That's where Tennessee Athletic Director John Curry is right now, even though he does not want to be in that position. That's where he is. And he is having to go across the country. He is going to try to vet these candidates and go after them. And he has been doing that for weeks now. Yes, and now it's just official because Tennessee wanted this to be happening two weeks from now instead of now. But uh, because of the the way that this season has unfolded and the way that that game Saturday went, he has no choice. So we will start off at the top with a name that I think, listen, we're going to have to talk about this name. It, it wouldn't be a Tennessee coaching search if it wasn't for the hashtag, the hashtag groomers. 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 That's what it would be. Uh, but here, here's the deal on this. John Gruden, in my opinion, will not be Tennessee's next football coach. I think Tennessee will no. kick the tires and has kicked the tires. I think that John Gruden will listen, and I think John Gruden will listen – with some seriousness in, in his heart, I think he, he will consider the possibility. I don't think at the end of the day it will happen. So that's, you know, if Tennessee could get him, I think Tennessee would pay him and everything will be fine. I don't think this is going to be an issue where money will be the sticking point that will not bring him to Tennessee. I don't think that would be the issue. I just, at the end of the day, don't think that he will be a college football coach. I think if he goes back to coaching, he would want to do it at the NFL level where there's no 20-hour rule, where there's no recruiting restrictions, where you can just sit there all day long and watch football in your Gruden's quarterback club room, and you can go out there and practice it, and you can have all these ideas and have all the time in the world to implement them like you do at the NFL level. You don't have that in college. Remember Monty Kiffin complaining about all that stuff? It was just so drastic for him, the difference was. Well, well that's why we don't, in our hot board on, on Go Vols 24-7, I'm assuming it's probably going to be on the front page for the foreseeable future. Really doesn't have really much of an NFL flavor to it because you we, we hear a lot of NFL coaches that don't want to come back to college. Because Some do, the, like Saban and others. But yeah, but those guys had been in college Harbaugh, before yeah. for a long time, whereas John Gruden has not coached in college since 1989 at the University of Pacific. Now, I don't know how old you guys were in 1989. I was one. I was seven. So... Um, and he hasn't coached anywhere in a decade. So, but yeah, we, we hear a lot of college coaches that, or a lot of NFL coaches that don't want to come back to college because of all of the things you have to do. And there's a lot more than just the 20 hour rule. You obviously have to do a lot of shaking hands and dealing with boosters and all that kind of stuff. And you have to, you know, be so in tune to the whims of a you know, 16, 17 year old players that um, are dealing, you know, thrown into the spotlight when they're still in high school and all that stuff. And, uh, it just seems it, it, it. You think about how many jobs John Gruden has been linked to over the years since he's been in the booth. How many times has he like really legitimately come close to one, taking one? How many times has he really legitimately pursued one? 
yet he never comes out and says anything when his name gets linked to these jobs because he likes to hear his name heard. And I'm not saying that Tennessee hasn't contacted him or, or tried, you know, kicked the tires on him. And I'm not saying that Gruden hasn't there talked has, to people about the Tennessee job and even talked about people that he might want to put on a staff here. There has been contact. There has, absolutely. Um, but that doesn't mean that he's, it, it's going to transpire. And, and it, in my educated opinion, he's, he's not going to be Tennessee's next coach. And if I'm wrong, I'll be stunned. Yeah, I mean, ask me about, ask and, me about and the, Danny, Patrick, ask me about the running game. And Danny stunned. And to, I want to bring you into this because you have been probably more adamant than anybody that it's not going to happen. At least according to the subscribers on our message board, who love that you came out a few weeks ago and was like zero chance. Yeah, the, 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 roast beef got them. Ro, roast beef got them riled up on that. One. <laughs> they did not did, did like I that. Say actually zero chance, or did I just say? I know I specifically said the first. <laughs> what started all was me saying John Gruden will not be Tennessee's next head football coach. Whatever you said, that was well, it. whatever and you now said, I'm smug and I'm arrogant and all these <laughs> things. I'm like, I'm I'm actually a nice guy. I'd buy everybody here sun drop if y'all were here. It's like, come on, guys. <laughs> what if you're a cheer wine guy? I'll get you a cheer wine. Come on, bro. Rick Barnes would want a cheer wine, no doubt about it. Whatever, come on, you, Ricky. Whatever you said, it's likely that a everyone's misremembering it, misremembering it, and b they didn't like it because it wasn't what they wanted to hear. Which every definitely b. Which there's so many people out there, and that's that's the thing with groomers is that. All of a sudden, everyone and their brother has a somebody that knows somebody that knows something. Wow. That knows something. You know, they know the Gruden family itinerary. Oh, there's a big family meeting this weekend. Or uh, they know what he's thinking. That, you know, he really loves Tennessee and he wants to come back. And they know what planes he's flying on. And it's just, it's all, it's all very entertaining from this angle. Well, I, I'll I, just be I, honest. Uh, there's a small soapbox I need to step on. And I'm going to step on it quickly and then step right back off of it. But this is where media has wronged society. And the reason I say that is because you used to be able to go to news and you you would get news. You would get, you know, uh, here's what happened, here's what these guys say, here's what these guys say, and then maybe there'll be an editorial board who will write a column and they will give their opinion on something. But, you know, they're not always agreeing with one side or the other. Then all of a sudden we have Fox News, we have MSNBC, we have echo chambers, which is what Everything in news now is it's an echo chamber and people go for confirmation bias all the time. They want to go hear the news they want to hear, not the news that is news. So if people want to hear that John Gruden will be Tennessee's next football coach, they know that they can go to some people and some people will tell them it's going to happen. And that's all they're going to believe. And no one else is, is, is correct. That is where news has modern media has just completely distorted all of this because it's become an echo chamber and people want to go get news they want, not news that is news. That's I stepped on it. I'll step back off of it, but that's something that irks me greatly. And in this situation, it leads to fans thinking that, oh, this 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 reporter that I've never heard of, who's you know bad in five hundred, and these people that are their credibility is you can question that are saying that it's going to happen or whatever, and then you have us who are saying it's not going to happen and the reaction from fans is well you guys must not have very good sources well it's like the no, it, it's the no- <laughs> it's like it's like i mean like really it's the nostradamus effect nostradamus could say the world's going to end in 2000 the world's going to end in 2001 the world's going to end in 2002 eventually by god he'll be right because he has said every year that the world is going to end at some point. He's going to be correct about that. And the percentages some of these cats put out there is just <laughs> some of these cats. <laughs> it's it's so hysterical to me. I'm going to put it at sixty percent that John Gruden comes to Knoxville. Well, 
if he doesn't, you left yourself a window. If he does, you left yourself a window. So you can jump out it's, onto the trampoline from the upstairs bedroom, regardless of what Tennessee does. So I don't, I don't get it. You I know don't, this guy's got it together. He's got sources. He said sixty percent. It's fifty fifty. Of course, it's fifty fifty. Either he comes or he doesn't. I don't want this to sound like we're on a pulpit. Going on a limb there. I don't want to sound like a preacher on a pulpit. I really don't. But you know what, guys. Go with people that you trust, not not what you want to hear. If the people that you trust only tell you what you want to hear, those people are lying to you at some point. Go to people who will tell you sometimes that what you want to happen will not happen. That that's that's it, who that's the people you can trust. And we might be right, we might be wrong, but I think our track record is pretty solid. And that means that we go vet things. We go make sure we don't throw things against the wall to see what's sticking. And if you want that, there's enough room in this market where you can go get that. And that's absolutely fine. I will not judge you. I will not. But if you want news from us, we're going to tell you in a professional manner things that we're hearing from people that we actually trust. It doesn't mean we're going to be 100% right, but... We'll be pretty darn close. Just know who you can trust. And to be honest, if, if I was a subscriber somewhere for a website, I would want a reporter giving me what he definitive, definitively thinks or knows or what his sources tell him or all the above rather than a guy just say, this may happen, but look out for this. And then possibly, and then this may want to, you know, all this just, I don't know, just open-ended stuff. I, it's not what I would pay for. I want to know... Does this guy think this is going to be the guy? And if it's not, I want him to come out and say so and tell me so I can buy a bunch of John Gruden stuff for the kids for Halloween or, you know, center my attention somewhere else. You know, if if I'm a football fan, do I need to go watch Mississippi State play Saturday to see what Tennessee's offense may look like next season? Or, you know, pay attention to what Ty John Gruden has on Monday night. Yeah. Well, and to to get back to to Gruden, I think we say – I can't say that I know it for – for a fact, but I do believe that Tennessee has kicked the tires on him. I can tell you for a fact that there have been tires kicked. I believe that as well. Yes. To clarify. And, and so, and, and Tennessee should. He is. He would be a a Grand Slam hire. Would he win at Tennessee? I don't know if that's a given. Because there's a lot of questions for a guy that's not been a head coach in college and has not even coached in college in almost 30 years. But I mean, he would be a guy that would – you would instantly, Tennessee, if you did that, everybody would be like, okay, all right, you're not playing around. This would be kind of their Nick Saban, Jim Harbaugh type. And I, I'm a guy that, that has crapped on Harbaugh more times than a lot of people, but that was a high where Michigan, that was their guy. They went and got him. He was, their, he was their big guy. And was like, okay. statement. And they're paying him $9 million to finish third in the Big Ten East. Um, so, it, yeah, if it, in t- if you're Tennessee, you should. You should be seeing it if Gruden wants to come out of the booth and, and, and coach coach a place that clearly means something to him because his he's got family here, his wife's from here, who's a graduate assistant here, his son goes here right now. Yep. So and even if you're Tennessee, you at least have to make it look like you try. Yes. And and try the best you could. And And, you know, when you're on a coaching search, it's no different from – if you're when you're a single guy and, and you're mingling with people there at the uh, at the local watering hole, nobody starts with the threes or fours. You start with the tens, and if the tens say no, you go to the nines, and if the nines say no, you go to the eights. You don't start at the fives, all right? You start at the tens, and that's what Tennessee needs to do, and that's what Tennessee is doing. 
Now, will Tennessee land a 10? I don't like their chances. I, I just don't know that everything it, comes together like that. But, but like an 8 or a 9, yeah, I could see that. I definitely could. And you could get an 8 or a 9, and it would get Tennessee better in, in a better position than it is now. And if you're here's what I'm warning against, guys. If you are a Gruden or Bust guy, there is a great likelihood that you are going to be disappointed by whoever Tennessee hires. And Tennessee might go hire a really good football coach. And that's, I mean, that's if you set the bar at a place at a starting point where you're, you're it's John Gruden or it's nothing to me. Well, it might be nothing to you. You're going to have to see who Tennessee hires, and if it's not him and we don't think it's going to be him, you're going to have to look at the track record, and you're going to have to say, you know what, yeah, I'll give this guy a chance. So all I'm saying is be open-minded about this. Like I think most Tennessee fans probably are, but there is that certain vocal vocal minority that is just going to – they're just going to troll. They're just going to be upset. They're just going to do what they do, and that's fine. Let them do them. That's cool. But for most people – I think where you probably need to be looking, unless I'm wrong, you need to be looking at that Dan Mullen, Scott well, Frost kind of line, that, that, sort of a, that sort of a coach. That should be your floor, though. You should not Absolutely. leave any stone unturned. Absolutely. And we've had this, this conversation a lot. If you're Tennessee, you got to call guys like David Shaw, James Franklin, Danny, you've mentioned some guys. Gary Patterson's another guy. you got to call guys like that that, are, that have been in programs that have been winning for a while that have won big at these places, at these other big-time programs, and you got to make them say no like five times. Yeah, the last like, time. Like yeah, if you're Curry, hey, James, how's it going? Uh, nice win the other night against Rutgers. You want to come back to the SEC? Nope. Okay, all right, I'll call you tomorrow. Yeah. You just got to keep doing it and just see. And, and, you know, certainly at this point, they've probably already done some of that vetting yeah, with some of those guys. But you've got to aim, you know. Oh, yeah. You've got to try some of these elite – these guys – these – Borderline elite coaches. I know Danny's the elite word is something that, that means a lot to you. Yeah. I, Would you I, say that Franklin and, and Shaw and Patterson are elite? Do they fit your into your elite category? I think there are certain things you have to have done uh, from conference championships to putting out guys to the NFL to doing things the right way. I, I would definitely put Shaw in that category for what he's done in the Pac-12. Um, Franklin's right there on the brink. Uh, what he did at Penn State last year was very impressive. What he was doing at, at Vanderbilt was extremely impressive, yeah. probably the best that's ever been done at Vanderbilt, at least in modern football history. Of course, 100 years ago is different, but anyways. Um, Patterson, definitely. I mean, even you know, even when he's had bad years, he's bounced back immediately and in a big way in his time at TCU. Um, and, you know, that's, I, I think all three guys, like you said, P, PB, that's, you got to call them. And, and Patterson's a guy that, that uh, I think came out last week and talked about how uh, after Tennessee fired Philip Fulmer, that they, they, they brought him in for an interview and could have hired him instead of Lane Kiffin. But he, I think it was a story that he did with uh, Chris Lowe of ESPN, I believe. Yes. Basically said that he knew when he was there that they had already decided on Kiffin. And so that's a great uh, – if Tennessee could go back in time. Yeah, the, the way that – and I said this in the last search, and it ended up – you know, you talk about Nostradamus being like, hey, getting something right – in the last coaching search, I said at the beginning of it, there is a about, – about two or three days into it, that there was a Butch Jones line and that you knew that you could go back and get Butch Jones. That was the place where, like, that was the floor, and you said, okay, I can go get that guy. But – It's not getting I'm, past him. I'm going to try with these other guys, and if it, if it doesn't work, then I'm going to – then I know I can get him. 
and that's what Tennessee did. They went for some other guys and tried, and you know, it didn't work out, and then they went to Butch Jones. If you're Tennessee, you need to set that line somewhere around you know, Dan Mullen, and you need to go try like hell to get other people, some big names, some, some can't-miss guys. Uh, you got to try. It's like Patrick said, like we've said before, worst thing they can do is say no. And if the, you know, they're not going to be, you're not going to offend anyone if you're Tennessee and you're calling them. You know, they're not going to be like, oh, I'm Tennessee. I'm not even going to listen to that crap. They're going to listen. Just gauge their interest, kick some tires. But you need to get to a point where, okay, I'm not letting this get past this guy. And you need to set that line there and you need to be, okay, I will be pleased with this, but I'm going to try higher. And I think if you're a Tennessee fan, that's absolutely the same way you should think. Set a line where you're like, you know what? If it's that guy, that could work. I like that. And then if it gets better than that, awesome. But if not, I'd be okay with this guy right here. Another big guy, uh, another big name, probably the second biggest name behind Gruden is Chip Kelly. Seems to be a lot of a lot of legs about him in Florida right now yep. as we speak on, on this Monday afternoon. Um, and that's the, and, and that brings – to light something that, that Tennessee is probably going to be the, probably the biggest factor in this search is where are they in the pecking order of big-time jobs? And we've also talked about this because they're not as good of a job as Florida. And uh, Texas A&M is probably coming open as well. And, and you look at it, you know, the, potentially the – I don't want to say doomsday scenario for Tennessee, but what if Florida State were to come open if Jimbo Fisher decides that, that – that needs to end because they're having an abysmal year. That would change things pretty quickly. That would change things a lot. You've also got Arkansas open. I don't know that that's in the same realm as Tennessee. Uh, Ole Miss is open as well. Obviously, they, they have to deal with the NCAA issues and the uncertainty there. So there's a lot of competition potentially. Could be more. And, and we've had this debate is if you're, if you're a coach, how would you rank those in terms of appeal? Certainly, Florida has to be at the top because – correct. It's an elite job because of what you can recruit around you, and it's a program with a lot of you know a lot of fans, a lot of attention. You can win there. You can win big there. And then, where is Tennessee or Texas A and M next? Is it A and M because you've got another big base of, to recruit in Texas, or is it Tennessee, which has a little bit more tradition and has won a national championship more recently than A and M has? Yeah, that that's where things get really tricky. Is where if Texas A&M jumps into the picture, there's like the Texas A&M, Auburn, Tennessee kind of bracket, I think, in terms of the quality of the job there in the SEC, and they're all kind of lumped there together. And if you're the right kind of coach, you can win big at any of those places. But if you're Tennessee, I'll say this, Texas A&M hiring a coach at the very least will make Tennessee's hire more expensive. No matter who yes. it is, it will make yes. Tennessee have to pay more. Yeah, and that's the other thing about A&M is, is that they can pay <laughs> a lot of money. And so if you're looking at a guy like Dan Mullen, who's already making four and a half million dollars, can you You're talking are, six minimum. Are you yeah, are you willing to pay him six million dollars? Are you willing to pay him more than um than Texas A and M might? There's a lot of money down there. And, There's a big and, endowment down there at A and M. They can they can throw money around. And so you mentioned earlier, Wes talking about what the line is. If the line is a Mullen, a Frost, a Willie Taggart type, all those guys might be courted by other other programs that might be more appealing than yours. So you're going to be paying big-time money for a guy who has not quite proven to be big-time yet. So that that's, that's where you would be. A&M's sitting at 6-4 and four with two road games left, Ole Miss and LSU. 
even if you win both those, you get to eight and four. And the AD came out and said publicly before the season, eight and four ain't going to get it at Texas A&M, considering everything that they've done for that program to rebuild it and make it a recruiting powerhouse on top, including beautiful joining the SEC. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful stadium. Mm-hmm. Was it four years ago? Maybe they got almost three quarters of a billion dollars worth of donation. So money's not an issue there. And like you mentioned, Arkansas, uh, you know, obviously the, the expectations there may not be as high as somewhere like a Tennessee, Florida, Texas A&M, but don't ever sleep on Jerry Jones and, and Walmart money. <laughs> they can Tyson, throw it around Tyson, as well. Tyson, Tyson Chicken, Tyson J- Chicken. and J.B. Yeah. Hunt. I mean, you yeah. got you got some big time. But if you look at the Fortune 500, you'll see some Waltons in there. Very, oh. very high. Oh, and, and you'll you'll see J.B. Hunt in there too, you know, yeah. and, and then Tyson Chicken's a, a really big You can't throw a, a quarter around Fettville and not hit something that doesn't have somebody blah, 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 Walton on the side of it. Yep. It's kind of like the Haslam's here, you know. It's it's the something Walton building, the something Walton Center. I mean, all of it. But but Tennessee, I think, shouldn't. I don't. I don't think money is going to be an issue. But the issue is going to be: Are you willing to pay? Are you willing to pay Dan Mullen six million dollars? And and Dan, and Mullen's the guy that we've had arguments on in our group text thread on Go Vols twenty four seven. I don't know that I would pay him six million dollars as much as I've been a cha- as I wouldn't say a champion of, of Mullen as much as I've said Tennessee should go get him. At six, that that to me depends on what else is out there. What are the other options? Well, yeah, are? because I, you get, it's hard to put something in a vacuum because you don't know what the playing field will be. But I've always been a guy who said it's it's a risk, and it's easy to say when it's your, not your money. But if you want to be big time in this environment, the track record is there. You go get somebody, and you pay them a lot of money, and that's that's kind of where you are. So if you're Tennessee. You know, if you're going to pay big-time money, might as well get a big-time guy. But it, with Florida open, with A&M possibly open, uh, you know, if something like Arkansas comes open, all of that, you just hear agents just perk their ears up every time because every big-time job that comes open, you're adding a few hundred thousand dollars to whoever you're hiring, no matter who it is. Yeah, and it, I think with, with the big-time check becomes big-time expectations. It's like that guy that gets drafted yep. first pick overall in the draft. He's expected to play quickly, whether he's a quarterback or not. I think these coaches understand that now. The, the window that you have before you have to start turning out division titles, championship game appearances, power power five, bowls, that sort of thing, it's it's very slim. I think sometimes you get a one-year pass now. It's not, hey, we'll let you develop for three years, and then year four, year five, year six, we expect championships. It's, hey, you get one season. You get one full recruiting cycle, and then – then you're expected to go contend with Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Auburn, all those top teams. Um, so I, I think if if I'm a Scott Frost, Gary Patterson, Dan Mullen, Chip Kelly, whomever, I'm looking at this and like, how quickly can I win? Because I'm going to have to by 2019 or so. And on top of that, we mentioned all these jobs that are probably coming open. I expect Texas A&M to come open. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Arkansas came open. Obviously, Florida, Tennessee, and most likely Ole Miss, but the question, and I've said this to, to our guys on staff here at Go Vols 247, is can I win a national championship at that school? No matter what other people think about how good a job this is or isn't, can I win a national championship? And then after that, it's your preference, I think, as a coach. Where do you want your family? You know, how far do I have to go to recruit? And, yes, Tennessee does have to recruit regionally, but within the region, within three and a half hours, is Charlotte, Cincinnati, Louisville, Nashville, Atlanta – Whereas Florida, as much praise as they get for being in the state of Florida, and there's no doubt that's the best talent in the country in terms of speed and athleticism and a lot of defensive line play. 
within three and a half hours of, of Gainesville is not Miami, is not, you know, South Beach and all that sort of thing, Fort Lauderdale, all that. It's more Tampa, Orlando, Daytona Beach, Valdosta, Georgia, that sort of thing. And that's – although then, you know, to contradict myself, the University of Florida, <laughs> it does mean a lot in that state. But I do think if you're Tennessee and, you know, if you're a certain type of coach and you're like, you know what, I'd rather recruit – somewhere in the Midwest. I'd rather go up to Cincinnati and, you know, Minster, Ohio, where Tennessee got to eat them wolf and convince that young man to come down and play in the SEC. It's the same way that A&M's been able to recruit some talent to get Christian Kirk out of Arizona and guys like that. It's like, hey, come play in the SEC, and you're recruiting in a region where the SEC is not sold. So I think that's why Kentucky and Tennessee can go up into the Midwest and sell the SEC. It's about perception, and the perception is despite all those – you know, you made that great point about you go three and a half hours around Knoxville – you can get a serious amount of talent from a lot of places. It's a different job, but it's, you know, different pool. But it's when you start adding all the population and all that, it's a pretty nice pool. You know, the problem is people, there's just the perception. People go, oh, Florida, it's just better. You have to get, if you're Tennessee, you have to get someone who can say all those things that Danny just said and make people across, like outside East Tennessee, believe it. That's the kind of guy you need to go get. You need to go get someone who sees what the place has been and can be again and and someone who can get you to that point. You have to get someone who sees and comes in from the beginning and said, this is the expectation here. This is what this program is. This is one of the you know one of the most historic programs in the country. There's a lot of talent within three and a half, four hours in every, every direction. This is one of the best stadiums in college football, one of the best game day environments in college football, as much tradition as most places in college football. This is a big-time place, and it's going to be big-time results. That's You have to get someone who says that, and people go, yeah, man, yeah, and believe it, and it's real. It, 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 what recruiting battles can I win? You know, let's let's say I go into Charlotte. Let's say I go up into Virginia Beach or I go into Cincinnati. Can I beat those programs? You know, Ohio State's going to be able to pick and choose out of that state and Harbaugh's coming down out of Michigan. But beyond that, can Tennessee go beat Minnesota, Michigan State, Purdue for talent in the state of Ohio? I think they can with the right coach, with the right staff. Sure. You know, NC State's slightly down right now. Um, you know, they're not elite, but they're solid right now. North Carolina's down a little bit, a lot of injuries this year. Larry Fedora's a solid coach. South Carolina Clemson, obviously, on a the very, open a up very a little caffeinated bit. caffeinated coach also. But, but can you win when you go head-to-head with these guys? And we've seen Clemson be an absolute thorn in Tennessee's side. And yes. If, if I'm John Curry <laughs> and I – heck, man, the way Clemson's coming to Tennessee and rob people kind of like LSU did about five, six years ago – um, different guys that came up to Tennessee and got. And I, I would say, you know, I've I've said on the board several times, Tennessee, if they can find a coach that can match up schematically or out-recruit Nick Saban, even occasionally, not even every year, not even every other year, that's the guy you want. And people's like, well, you can't compare yourself to Alabama. I'm like, well, if, if you're just competitive, if you're competitive with Alabama, that tells me – you will be competitive with everybody else because right now I don't think anybody would debate that Alabama's the best thing going. You know who was competitive yeah, you know with who Alabama? Was competitive with Alabama the other night with a <laughs> with, with, with a with a deck completely stacked against him. I don't. Please tell me. Do you know who you, Mississippi State took a spoon to that battle and Alabama had a had a nuclear bomb? It, it rhymed. They, it, they punched Alabama in the face a little bit. Listen, and I think they staggered. I don't think they were ready. It, it rhymes with with uh, Mandolin. Okay, so but it, it, looking from Tennessee's perspective, it seems like two people, two coaches that 
uh, we can say that John Curry likes would be Scott Frost and Dan Mullen. Uh, Frost it seems to be courted by Florida. So that's you're going to have to almost wait on Florida. What happens there? To see if you can get Scott Frost. Maybe right. Nebraska as well. And maybe Nebraska. Nebraska looks like it's even a worse position than Tennessee by far right now. Yes. Um, and there's the whole other without thing. The, without the talent base around. Can yeah. you win a national championship at Nebraska right now? No. You, I don't even think you can win the Big Ten West. Well, you better right be a now. great coach Nebraska to do it, right but now. it's possible but not probable. Uh, yeah. So th- those are two coaches that, that we know Tennessee is interested in and that have uh, that John Kerry fancies. Uh, another coach that likes Tennessee – uh, is Willie Taggart, who some people on our board were poo-pooing away <laughs> immediately. Uh, but Taggart's a guy that you know won at Western Kentucky. He's a he's a Harbaugh family. Uh, he, he played for Jack Harbaugh, right? That's that's Jim's father, John and Jim's father. It is right. Mm-hmm. He played for for Jack at Western Kentucky. Uh, was on Jim's staff at Stanford. Then turned around Western Kentucky when they were just now just getting into the FBS. Turned around South Florida, won 11 games there last year, then went to Oregon, which I think some people were surprised. Uh, and, and there's some appeal there because he's a guy that, that has some ties to this region. You would think if he's been at Western Kentucky, he might know Middle Tennessee very well. That's an area that Tennessee has to recruit well in um, to be successful. And, and Oregon's got the number six class in the country right now, according to, to 24-7 sports. So they're pulling in some kids out there. And what would intrigue me with Taggart is his coordinators right now are, are Mario Cristobal, who was the 2015 recruiter of the year in 24-7 sports. Um, well, he was at Alabama, and people say, well, it was at Alabama. Still the case. Uh, he was a top-10 recruiter in those rankings the past two years, uh, and he won a lot at Florida International as a head coach. And that, that's Oregon's offensive coordinator right now. And then you've got Jim Levitt as a defensive coordinator who was a Broil Awards finalist last year at, at Colorado. So he's a guy again, but he's a guy that coaches South Florida. He's from Florida. He probably wants the Florida job more than he wants the Tennessee job. But not everyone can take the Florida job. So, uh, and, and Texas A&M is going to be a factor for Mullen, of course, if, if Florida isn't already. So there's going to be some competition there. But if, if, if those three are the line for Tennessee and Tennessee has to go below that line, who are some guys that you guys like? I like Dino Babers a lot. He's your guy. One of my guys. I, I just – he doesn't have a lot of ties to the southeast, and, you know, that, that's, that is what it is. He would have to get a staff full of guys who did know the SEC and, and could go in there and, and do some things. But but Dino's a guy who, if you if you sit down and talk to him, he's really hard to not like. His players like him a lot. Uh, he's a guy who has some of that good positive energy and, and someone. You I mean you saw the celebration when they beat Clemson? Yep. That locker room. That that you can't fake that kind of joy. That was no you know Butch Jones. Who's with me? You got my back and that whole ridiculousness. You know those guys believe in him, and I think that's someone. I think Brom at Purdue. Uh, I asked for one guy, Wes. Those are, those are okay. Then I'll give you two. I'll give you Brom and I'll give. <laughs> I you asked the, for one. Dino's my main guy outside of the main ones. Uh, and a name we haven't mentioned that we should have mentioned is probably somewhere in between that elite group and the Frost Mullen group is Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech. He's a guy I think you have to call. A bunch of times. Yes. For what he did at Memphis. Uh, Virginia Tech's lost a couple games, so they've lost a little bit of luster on this season, but he's a guy uh, that's just a really good football coach. The concerns for me with him would be, first of all, his buyout $6 million. Second of all, he probably doesn't really want to leave Virginia Tech right now. And thirdly, could he bring Bud Foster with him? Probably not. Bud Foster's an elite defensive coordinator. Yeah. 
uh, but he's been in Virginia Tech since like 1987, so like longer than I've been alive. I think he founded the university. <laughs> Probably. So is he really going to leave even if Fuente goes? Uh, so, Danny, back to my original question. Who are some – one guy. Well, no, Wes got two, you get two. Who are two guys that you like <laughs> beyond those – the um, the Mullen, Frost, that Taggart line, yes. Uh, obviously, as you calculated correctly, Patrick, uh, Matt Campbell comes with a heavy, heavy price yep. tag to buy him out, uh, roughly $9.4 million to pay Iowa State University his, their, his remaining contract. But – Watching his team, one of the beauties I got from being able to stay home this weekend was watching his team go head-to-head with Oklahoma State, which has more talent, and Iowa State actually has a couple retread, Tennessee commit slash signees. DeAndre Payne. DeAndre Payne, Kyle Kemp, their quarterback, was recruited by Butch Jones and that staff, mostly at Cincinnati, not so much Tennessee, but even though he visited Tennessee. Anyways, Matt Campbell, you know, beat Oklahoma. If you're winning at Iowa State, State, you're doing pretty, you're yeah, pretty good coach. Beat Oklahoma and beat – they beat TCU. Yes. Yeah. I mean, two top five wins this year. Yeah. I mean, it's got Iowa State into the top twenty-five. Extremely impressive. So, and you, played a great game against Oklahoma State over the weekend. Yeah, and yeah. could have won that game. That was the game till the very end. Uh, played, I think, two, three different quarterbacks. I, I liked how out of the box he was thinking with different guys. You know, that's. I think he had a quarterback throw a touchdown pass, maybe have a running touchdown, and had half a sack. It's like the most bizarre stat line ever. Well, they, ha- for a they kid. have a they have a quarterback linebacker guy that's playing both yeah, ways. Yeah, not their starting quarterback, and actually Kemp uh, looked to be playing one armed. And they still, you know, in spite of everything, all these factors, it was a ball game with Oklahoma State. And like we had said, that he's beaten two top five teams this year. So Matt Campbell would be a guy that I, I think someone should deeply consider, in spite of that giant. The last thing, I, the last thing I've got. Are we missing any names? That... I didn't get to answer my own question. Oh no! I thought. Go ahead. Go ahead, Patrick. I didn't get to heap the... praise on Mike Norvell. Shut the your mouth. The floor Let is yours. Shut your... I didn't get to. I didn't get to heap praise on uh, Mike Norvell. And I don't. I don't think Tennessee are hiring him because he's the Memphis coach. I don't know if Tennessee could ever live down hiring the coach of Little Brother. Um, but he's. I think he's Fuente 2.0. I think he's really, really good. If I was Arkansas, I would already be trying to hire him. Uh, he, he's from – I think he's around that area. Makes all the sense in the world. Makes It just seems too logical not to happen. Uh, Norvell played at Northern, uh, Central Arkansas. He coached at Tulsa. He's a Todd Graham guy. He coached under Graham at, at Pitt and Arizona State. They had a couple 10-win seasons there. Really interesting offense. You know, they're a spread-up-tempo team, but if you watch Memphis, they'll occasionally go I-formation, run, run, run a fullback. I know West loves fullbacks. Best position in football. The um, best play in football is the weak side, wheel, the, the play action, backside, wheel right to the fullback has never been stopped. And, and, the, and the question with Norvell is that, yeah, he inherited a pretty good situation um, from Fuente, uh, but he's done nothing to diminish it. And there's a chance Memphis, I think, has an outside chance to get into uh, the, the, to win the group of five spot if, they, if they're able to win the American. Uh, so that that would be pretty impressive, and, and at risk of having Danny come across the table <laughs> at me, another name since I gave West two would be Chad Morris. Uh, if it got down to that, you could do a lot worse than Chad Morris. I know Danny is not a believer in a guy who's thirteen and twenty one at SMU, and I understand that. But I would say that if you're if you're making that higher, you have to sell it more on what Morris did to help Clemson become an elite program than what he's done at SMU. And what he's done at SMU is taking a, a team that was a dumpster fire, was two and ten his first year, and they're and they're bowl eligible this year, and I think. It would only be like their fifth bowl game since the death penalty, so it's not a lot of not a program that's won a whole lot down there. Um, but uh, again, Morris obviously recruited Deshaun Watson, 
His Clemson offenses were really good. Uh, but maybe he's a guy that, that's in play at Texas A&M because he is a Texas native and has coached a lot of football now in Texas. So Can I get my second one now? Yeah, I gave you, I gave you the option. You did. You did. I, I poo-pooed on it, but <laughs> I keep saying poo-poo. Um, and this is a guy whose stock has dropped in the last couple months, but we will get to see what he brings to the table, and I'll get some pictures of him just in case on Saturday. Um, Dave Aranda, the defensive coordinator at Louisiana State University, hmm. a, a guy that – uh, did some spectacular things at Utah State. His defense has never ranked worse than 15th in the country at Utah State. Um, went to Wisconsin, was a big-time high-paid assistant there. So if the hierarchy at Wisconsin believed in him and then the people at LSU believed in him and Ed Orderons kept him around, um, that speaks volumes to his talent and his ability. You know, it's, you always wonder, can that guy make that step from coordinator to head coach of a college football program? Because it is a very different job. Um, but we're seeing guys like Kirby Smart, uh, you know, Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma doing pretty special things, making that jump themselves. So um, I'm impressed by him. Like I said, I want to see what he does the, Saturday. A Jer- Jeremy Pruitt guy, too. Would yeah, be Pruitt's a, a guy that, that, that we need to mention that we didn't put on the hot board. He's maybe, a guy. maybe another Kirby Smart. Yeah, could be. And, and you look at the coordinator, I would say there may be four coordinators that would potentially do well here. And, Danny, I thought you were going to mention one of them when you were talking about Clemson earlier. Brent Venables. Yeah, Brent Venables is a guy that uh, I think we had er- on an earlier iteration of the hot board. So if they had, if Tennessee had fired Butch after, say, like a South Carolina game, <laughs> Venables probably would have been on there. Uh, but he ended up getting shuffled off. And uh, so you got Venables. Aranda's an interesting name. Pruitt's a guy that, that uh, it, it didn't, I don't think it went well for him at Georgia, uh, but, but he's certainly a guy that a lot of people in the coaching community hold in high esteem. And another name you need to mention that is on our hot board is Greg Schiano, who obviously turn Rutgers into a winner, which no one else has been able to, to really do. Uh, he's at Ohio State now. He's on a one-year deal, so I think he wants to get back. And I think he is interested, or so we've been told, in the Tennessee job. There's two names that I want to throw out here before we get out of here, and they're the fun names, and they're the names that we've, Your boy. Not, we've not mentioned Your yet. Your boy. And I, I would like to see Tennessee at least call and just at least gauge the interest one that we've not thrown his name out at all, not mentioned it at all, but I would try to call him at least as Mike Gundy. I think he's the guy who Tennessee has, <laughs> has has kicked the tires with before. You just love his mullet. I mean, the mullet or not, I'm just saying, like, the guy, look, I mean, he does it at Oklahoma State. That's pretty impressive. Uh, and, and the other guy, why not just give it a give it a crack? <laughs> give it a crack. Call the Pirate. Call Mike Leach. Hey, who's, who's Mike Leach's AD right now? He doesn't have one because he just left for Nebraska. Yep. There you go. And And, and – how how much does the guy need to win? When he was at freaking Kentucky, those offenses were good. Everywhere he goes, they put points on the board. Everywhere he goes. And if they have problems on the O-line, he finds a way around it. You could drive a Volkswagen in between their splits on the O-line, and yet it works. So, yeah, I mean, I, the guy would at least. Except when they run up against Justin Wilcox and Cal. I mean, if you're there's a couple teams in college football right now that are head and shoulders above everybody. And everybody and, else is capable of having a bad day of getting blown out. And then there's just the like rest. Georgia. Then there's the rest. So yeah, I mean, I think that listen, we're we're obviously gonna have a lot to talk about with all this stuff. We're gonna uh, sometimes it's gonna be kind of meandering and slaloming and and you know, we're gonna be there for, for every step of it and it's gonna be um, it's gonna be something, guys. Any final thoughts on anything? Play that eighties music. <laughs> Danny is so affected right now. Wait for it. I'm closer. Almost there.
almost hold right there Danny any final thoughts <laughs> nope <laughs> <laughs>